is in the present continuous tense, which means keep on holding on to Jesus. And Jesus keeps encouraging these different churches to hold fast. Hold fast till I come. And for some of you, you want revival? Just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. I'll say, Jesus, no matter what, I am going to stay with the knobs on my soul. I'm going to hold on to who you are, to what you've done for me. Are you feeling alone? Hold on to Jesus. Are you scared? Cling to him. Feel like you've drifted away from faith? Come back to Jesus and stay there. No matter where you are today, what you're going through, Jesus is your answer. He's your rock, your strength, your comfort. And Pastor Daniel will tell you that placing your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus is the best thing you can do. Don't let the enemy pull you away. Hold fast to Jesus. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Church in Sardis. Have you ever gone camping and you set up a little bonfire or whatever, or maybe you have a fire pit in your backyard, and you have a great time and you're making s'mores and everything, and then at some time, if you're not tending to the fire, the fire kind of goes down to just like a little smoldering ember. Right? When that's there, if you want to keep the, the good times rolling, right, you got to add some fuel to it, you add some wood to it, you, you, you wave your hand, you fan it in into flames, and you bring it back up again. That's exactly what Jesus is telling the church in Sardis to do. He's saying, listen, what I want you to do, it's not completely gone, but you need to strengthen the things that are there. So take good, strong steps on the things that you are doing that you know you're supposed to be doing. So he's not saying everything's lost. You have to change everything. Certain things need to be addressed right where they are. So it's an important thing. What are the things that right now that you're doing that is really bearing fruit in your life? Will you strengthen those things? Will you take those things to the next step? And then the next thing, the third thing he says, is that really, in a sense, you need to complete your works. Notice, for I have not found your works perfect before God, or complete, or fully mature. So in the same way, we strengthen things, and Jesus is trying to move us to complete our works, to, to really move into maturity. For many of us, we know Jesus wants us to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants us to serve in the church. He wants us to take those steps, and we know it, but we started, and we didn't complete it, right? Like, we started the journey, and we stopped along the way. I know for many people, like, man, what's gone on with these last couple of years really kind of uprooted everything? Yes, Super disruptive for everybody. But now we need to go back and do the stuff we're supposed to do. And so in our lives, we have to ask ourselves, what has God invited us into that we started that we haven't brought to full blossom? Maybe it's our generosity. Maybe it's following through on reconciling that relationship. You started it, it started to work, then it got a little messy. And then all of a sudden you're like, Okay, I don't feel like dealing with this anymore. And then you kind of eject out of it. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to bring that thing all the way into maturity. Push it all the way forward. Because what I know about Jesus is he doesn't make us do these things. He invites us. He sets the table and says, look, will you trust me? Will you take a step? And if you take a step, 
I'll do an amazing work. But sometimes we take a step and then we pull back. We get nervous. We doubt. There's all these reasons why. But Jesus is saying, you want revival. I want you to perfect or complete the things that God has. Invariably, almost every Sunday, I meet someone who God has called to step on into serving, who along the way stopped. And they say, what should I do? I'm like, just got to go plug in. There's a connection center. Like, there's the connection counter. Go over there. Say, hey, listen, I think I'm supposed to help kids. I'm here to tell you, you are supposed to help kids. I think we're supposed to help students. I'm supposed to help students. Hey, I really would like to be on the safety team because I'd love the opportunity to give someone a headlock in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's not why they're there, but you know what I mean. It's like, it's like stepping on into that. I was just talking to someone the other day, and they were really upset about what was going on with kids today. And I'm like, oh, you serve in kids' ministry. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, you can complain about it, or you can go disciple kids. Like, the Bible says do all things without grumbling and complaining. So your complaining thing's not working, but you need to. But sometimes what bothers us is actually exactly where we're supposed to step in because it's an area of concern and passion. And because we don't have a godly outflow for our concern, we just complain about it because we live in a complaining culture. But really we're supposed to say, no, no, I'm supposed to step in. Someone the other day was just like, Pastor Daniel, yeah, we need to pray more as a church. I'm like, you're right. And I'm like, you holding a prayer meeting at your house? No, well, you should. Do you come to the pre-service prayer meeting? No. Well, you should. But oftentimes we, we forget. We want to push off what it is rather than own it. And God's calling us, listen, I have not found your works. That word perfect means fully mature or complete. So he's like, what, some of what you've done, you, you got some traction. Other of it is dying. And some of it you just never continued. You never followed through. So I want to encourage you, be a people in Jesus' name who follows through. And I'll be honest with you, almost everybody who serves here at Crossroads, and there's lots of you, I mean, we have, on a weekend, we have hundreds and hundreds of people who volunteer here. Every one of them will tell you, it was a decision we made, it can kind of be challenging at times because there's people involved and I'm involved, and I don't always feel like I want to be there, right? But when I show up, God does a great work. Isn't it true? And that's life in the kingdom. Man, I wish, I'll be honest, I wish that serving Jesus was like the epic moment at every ride at Disneyland. Where it's just like, wee, you know, like, it's all fun. Like, it's like, but not all of it is. But what I'll be honest with you is that even though it's not like a Disneyland ride, when I step back from the craziness of it sometimes, and I just look at it, I'm like, this is the awesomest thing ever. Like, God's touching people's lives. Like, God's touching my life. The fact that I even want to help somebody is a miraculous area of growth. And so we want to complete those works. Now from there, notice what happens next as we move on into verse three. We get the fourth key to revival. You need to remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Now I love this. This speaks about a holy memory to remember what has God given us and what have we heard. And this is about us hearkening back to the things that God has already done and already spoken, what he has already invited us to. See, oftentimes, one of the big struggles we have in our culture is that because we love everything new, and I don't know about you, I like new things as well. It's like we're always looking to move forward, and we kind of forget, like, well, actually, this is what I already know I'm supposed to do. So, like, for those of you who are here that are married— on the day you got married, you made a commitment to God and to another person. You're going to, for richer or for poorer, 
in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And I know sometimes you're like, man, I'd like to get him out of here a little quicker. But, but like, it's about growing together and you're committed to that. And you don't need like a new person. It's like, no, you need to remember what you heard when God said, that's the person, right? If you're here right now and you're not married, right? As a single person, I remember when God, I was been walking with Jesus about three years, right? And, and I was a single guy and I said, God, I really want to meet someone. And the Lord was like, well, I actually want to make you the kind of person that one of my daughters will enjoy being around. So it wasn't about me looking for, it was about becoming the person that God can bless one of his daughters with, right? And, and the times when I was like, Lord, I just, I just want companionship. Lord, I, I don't want to be alone, you know, all these different things. The Lord's like, well, I'm doing a work in you right now. So can you just keep showing up for that? Keep serving. Keep doing those things. And I realize it's not always easy, but what words and what things has God given you that you know is true but along the way, you've forgotten that that's an important thing. Remember the things he's already given you. Sometimes what God wants to do in you right now is something that he told you in the past he wanted to do in you, and you just haven't arrived there yet. So what are the things that you need to remember back to? Remember what God has done. So powerful. So we remember, therefore, how we have received and heard. Notice next, hold fast. Now, that word hold fast to the church in Sardis is in the present continuous tense, which means keep on holding on to Jesus. And Jesus keeps encouraging these different churches to hold fast. Hold fast till I come. And for some of you, you want revival? Just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. I'll say, Jesus, no matter what, I am going to stay with the knobs on my soul, I'm going to hold on to who you are, to what you've done for me. Even if nobody else follows you, Lord, I'm going to hold on to you. Because unless in church we're reminded we need to hold fast to Jesus, you will not hear that encouragement anywhere else. Because our world actually doesn't want you to hold on to Jesus. Our world wants you to hold on to whatever they're trying to sell us today. Whether they're selling us fear, they're selling us whatever. But we need to hold on to Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope's not in a political party. It's not in X, Y, or Z. Our hope is in the Lord himself. But I realize that for, on any given day in a church the size of Crossroads, somebody is loosening their grip on Jesus. Somebody is. Somebody is like, man, they're starting to just like getting caught up in this. They're getting caught up in this. Doubt is happening. They're getting polarized. They're getting worked up about something. And it's like, no, no, we need to hold on to Jesus. And I'll be honest, when I think of holding fast to Jesus, I find that every day I have to say, what am I holding on to right now? Like, am I holding on to my Lord? Because he's got me, but sometimes I forget. So we need to hold fast. And then the seventh or the sixth key here, notice what it says, repent. Wow. We need to repent. Now, I talk about repentance every sermon, don't I? And that's a good thing, because that's the first word of the gospel. Repentance always means the same thing. It means God has got a different thought than we have, and so we change our minds. We're we're saying, I'm going to agree with God rather than myself. And the change of mind leads to a change of action. It always, like, God thinks something differently than I think, and so this is how I live if I turn from what I think and I turn to what God thinks. So the change of mind leads to a change of action, 
Change of action leads to a change of heart. Because the action is actually the outgrowth of the thought that changes. Like, you, you have to do your way into a new way of thinking and feeling. So we act, and then God changes our heart, and as God changes our heart, it changes our outcome, where we land. People have to use the word destiny today. It sounds so Disney, but it's true. Like, like your destiny is, you know, and I'm not talking about Marty McFly, that you're my density. You know the reference. But the idea is that the thoughts we have and the actions we take and where our heart leads us will actually have an outcome. It has a place where it lands. And what God is interested is our lives being more of his kingdom than it would be if we didn't follow the plans that he has for us. So it it has a a change of outcome. And what I love for the church in Sardis, he's like, look, everyone has thinks you have a great reputation. Everybody thinks that you're alive, but you're dead. But he's like, but listen, if you do all these things and if you turn, you're going to land in a different place. It's not going to stay that way. And repentance is a beautiful Word of love. Repentance is when two people are at odds with one another and they turn back to one another. It's a word of reconciliation. It's not an angry word. It's not even a mean word. It's a word of a covenant relationship that God is saying, listen, I want to grow. I want this to go deeper. But we can't get more into, we can't know each other better if we're heading in different directions. So will you, you know, will you come my way? God said. Will you join me where I want you to be? Because he says here, repent. And he says, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And so obviously Jesus is saying, listen, because things are dying, there's an urgency to this. And then he says, you have a few names, verse four, even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And here's the seventh step. Seventh key to revival is you need to walk with the Lord in purity. How beautiful is that? He's saying, I want you to walk with me. I always think of Genesis chapter 5. Do you remember that? There's a list of names in Genesis chapter 5. It's like when people start reading the Bible for the first time. I always say to them, hey, you're going to start reading the Bible? Yes. Don't worry about the list of names. If you ever invite someone to read the Bible, remind them that the list of names... Because people, they start reading the Bible like, oh, why are we reading about all these names I've never heard before, right? I always say, just don't worry. The, the list of names have a meaning. You'll get to them later. Once you read through, it'll make more sense. But in that beautiful genealogy of Genesis chapter five, there's a man named Enoch in the middle of that. And it says, and Enoch walked with the Lord and he was not, for God took him. It's like the only guy in that genealogy who has that. But I'm always reminded, like everyone's like, oh man, God took him. Why did God take him? Because he walked with him. And in a lot of ways, this is the beauty of the Christian life. The Christian life is that God is saying, will you walk with me? Will you follow me? That's why the early church was called the way. Because Jesus is the way, the truth. And he's saying, look, I'm going to lead you. And will you follow me? And it's important for each one of us to say, God, I want to walk with you. And I love the idea of walking with God in purity because when you walk with God, because God is holy and pure and perfect, as you walk with him, you do not want to be unholy. You do not want to be impure. I never get this. This is so funny. 
I love my dad so much. Like, I, I'm grateful for my pops. But I remember when my dad came out here and visited Crossroads, right? And my dad's not, not like a churchgoer guy. You know, he's not like reading his Bible, right? But I remember, like, he was here and he was meeting people. And by, like, the second day he was here, I heard my dad talk. He was like, man, praise the Lord. I was like, like I heard him say, I'm like, what'd you say? I walked over. And he just kind of smiled at me. I'm like, dad, you said praise the Lord. He's like, well, everyone else was doing it. And I was like, Right on. Praise the Lord, Dad. You know, and, and, but, but you know what's so funny about that? He would never have said that, but when you're in an environment where people are saying that, don't you always take on the attributes or the ways people talk? Like when I first got married to Lynn, I love my wife so much. Lynn's so fun. Lynn would always say to me, she said, Daniel, how's your heart? Right? When we first got married. And I would say, oh, you know, it's in my chest. A little left to center. I'm like, you know, beats pretty steady. A little faster when you're around. You know, and then she's like, that's not what I mean, Daniel. You know what I mean. And then I would say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing good, sweetie, and we talk about life. But I'd give her a hard time about it. I'd kind of joke about it. But then sure enough, like a month later at church, someone comes, I'm like, hey, how's your heart? And I'm like, oh. But why? Because her presence rubbed off on me in a really good way. And in the same way, when we walk with Jesus, Jesus changes us. It's like when I first came to know Jesus and I was still struggling with drugs. And I told the pastor of the church I was going to at the time, they, they were letting me play on the worship team. And, and I was really convicted about what was going on. And I told him and I said, hey, you know, like I've been smoking weed forever and I'm going to smoke it forever probably. And, you know, but I know that God doesn't want this for me. What do I do? And I figured he'd just throw you out of church. I didn't know what pastors did, you know, you know, I got thrown out of church before, so I have a history of that. So I just assume I get thrown out of church. And I'll never forget, he's like, Daniel, I'm just going to pray for you that you walk with Jesus, you read his word, and God will change your heart. And he's like, Lord, will you let Daniel read your word, let him walk with you, and I want you to change his heart in Jesus' name. And I'm like, that's it? He's like, yep, that's it. And what's amazing is, as I started to walk with God and read his word, I started to change my heart. Where all of a sudden, I didn't want to do it anymore. I'm like, I mean, I wanted to do it because I've been doing it forever, but it was like the old habits don't work anymore when you're going in a different direction with a different person who has much better plans for you. See, Jesus shares his holiness with us, and as we walk with him, he rubs off on us, and we become more and more like him. So right now, if you're here today and you're saying, listen, I got all these things in my life. Listen, I want to encourage you walk with Jesus and say, Jesus, will you change my heart? Because he will change your heart as you walk with him. Because there's nothing worse if you're walking with him. Maybe you're like struggling, like you got a potty mouth, right? You say all these things, the corrupt words, you know you're not supposed to say, and the Bible says you're not, spirit convicts you. When you walk with Jesus, can you imagine if you're hanging out with Jesus and you start like cussing up a storm? And I don't think Jesus would be like, how dare you speak to me in my presence like that? He would just look at you. Like that happens to me sometimes in the family room. Someone will be talking to me, I'll meet them, and like, you know, and they'll talk about their situation, and they'll cuss, like, sorry, pastor. I'm like, don't worry, I've heard it before, you know? And, like, people, they feel nervous, like, as if, like, you know, that's, like, a big problem that they said something like that. But, like, they catch themselves. Where normally if they're hanging out with their friends, they wouldn't say, oh, I'm so sorry I said that, right? But the thing is, is that when you walk with Jesus, his presence is the change agent. And I believe that what God is doing in this season, in the life of not only Crossroads, but in the people of God is we need deeper discipleship now than we've ever needed before.
because it's all so crazy in this world. And everything is upside down. We need real deal learning from Jesus. And no more like, man, I, I hang out at church, but I got all these. No, it's like, we need to learn from Jesus. We need to walk with Jesus. We need Jesus to teach us how to be and move and live in this world. And he has a plan that will both be set apart and righteous and will also be a light to this world. So these seven keys to revival. And I love that Jesus told the church in Sardis, listen, your story is not over. I want to do a work. Will you be watchful? Will you hold fast? Will you repent? Will you remember the things you heard? Will you complete your works? Will you strengthen the things that are falling apart? Will you do that? And then as we get to verse 5 and 6, we see the close of this letter where Jesus says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' promise to the person who overcomes is simple. He's like, I want you to be cleansed, and I want to cleanse you. This is always the purpose of Jesus. Just as he said that there are some in Sardis, they haven't defiled their garments, and they're going to walk before me in white. They're changing. They're walking in purity. And then he says, to the person who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And that's the gospel. The gospel is that you and I have failed. And our failings, what the Bible calls sin, our nature of rebellion against God, that leaves stains on all of us. Sometimes it's our sin. Sometimes it's someone else's sin. All of it leaves stains. And Jesus says, you know what? You're all in need of some laundering. I want to cleanse you. I want to do a work. And Jesus' plan to cleanse a person is for a person to believe in his finished work on the cross and his resurrection. I've always said God's got a strange color wheel. Sin that stains red, the crimson stain of sin, and the red blood of Jesus. Red plus red in God's economy equals white as snow. That's how it happens. And not only the first time when we get saved, but every single day as we walk with him. Of course, David knew this, the great king we spoke about. Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2 says, as he acknowledged his own sins, and have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. The church in Sardis was dying. If they continued the same way, they would die. But that's not the end of the story. Pastor Daniel reminded you today that they had the chance to repent, and you have the chance to repent. You can be cleansed, made new, given grace that you simply don't deserve. So today, if you've been needing revival, come to Jesus. Hand him all your sins and walk away from them for good. And ask Jesus to be your savior, to be part of your life forever. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel brings you to a much happier letter, the letter to the church in Philadelphia. These men and women are applauded for their faithfulness despite a difficult path. What an encouraging word from the Lord for what they've overcome. And for you, you'll be reminded that your trials are known by the Lord. He sees your faithfulness too. Well, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.